All right, friends. While they receive the, the offering, don't forget to drop that card in there and pull out your Bibles. Pull out your Bibles to the book of John. John 15 is where we're going to be this morning. I've got more stuff on this table than I know what to do with. All right, John 15 is where we're going to be this morning. Let's get there. We began a new series, and I said last week, it's not really a series. Um, It's more of an initiative for us here at Flourishing Grace. Last week, uh, we started this thing that we're calling the Path of Flourishing. And the Path of Flourishing, um, we are going to be talking about this really for the next year. The next um, year at Flourishing Grace, our goal is to help everyone here uh, really find a relationship with Jesus. And uh, we've kind of said at the very beginning when we began Flourishing Grace, the goal, the vision, the hope, the idea is that we would be a church that leads people into flourishing relationships with Jesus, that we'd be a family of people who have flourishing relationships with Jesus that lead people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. And all of our ministries have the same hope. Our, our family ministry is that um, they say, man, we want to be a, a ministry that leads kids and families into flourishing relationships with Jesus. Our students, we want to be a, a church where our, we lead students and their families into flourishing relationships with Jesus. And so everything we're doing is about leading people, leading you into a flourishing relationship with Jesus. And so months ago, way back in the spring, we began to wrestle through this idea. Is that actually happening? And if so, how is it happening? And it's led us to this place where we said, man, we need a path of flourishing. We need to help each other kind of understand what does it actually look like for us to walk in such a manner that it produces the flourishing that Jesus talks about, the life that he talks about throughout the Gospels. And so last week we unpacked this, but for those of you who weren't here, I'm going to do it really quickly, okay? So just, just bear with me if you were here, but real quick, here are the four pathways that we're going to be unpacking over the next several months here at Flourishing Grace. So the first is that we, we, we flourish by beholding Jesus, okay? Now, we're going to talk about that a lot this morning, so I'm just going to keep on moving. We flourish by beholding Jesus. We flourish by following Jesus, and I think we might even change the language around this. I think a better word is emulating Jesus. Right, I said last week, I volunteered at my kid's school. My, my oldest is in kindergarten. He's five years old, Winston. I went to volunteer at a school last week. And somehow, the teacher gets these kids. I think it's witchcraft, okay? She gets them to line up perfectly, cross their arms, and like, follow the lead, like follow the other. It's like, okay, we're going to go to the computer lab, follow Johnny. And they cross their arms, silence, and they like, follow Johnny. I'm like... Oh, witchcraft. I'm pretty sure that's how they do it, right? But that's not what, we talk, what we're talking about when we talk about following, right? You can follow somebody just like, you know, wherever they're going. You can go where they're going. But that's not what we mean when we follow Jesus. What we mean when we follow Jesus is actually ordering our lives in such a way that we are doing the things that Jesus did. We're emulating him. And so we're going to be unpacking that. We're going to be wading really deep into that uh, over the next several weeks here at Flourishing Grace. So we, f- we flourish by beholding, we flourish by emulating, we flourish by becoming. Now, we, we don't do this. This is the work of the Spirit of Christ in our lives. As we behold him, as we emulate him, the Spirit is awakened and it transforms us from the inside out. And this is where like the real sweet goodness of the path of flourishing happens. This is where people in your life begin to say, 
hold up. Like a few months ago, if that would have happened to you, that's not how you would have responded. Like, what's going on with you? Like, there's something different in your life. Like, what's, what's new with you? Like, there's something going on here. Like, you're more loving. You're more kind. There's more joy. There's, like, what is going on? Like, this is where the real fruit of flourishing begins to take hold. And this is not something that we do. This is the work of the Spirit of Christ in us producing, shaping us, and molding us from the inside out, reforming our lives. And we're going to wade into that. The fourth pathway is by community. We flourish by community. I said earlier in our gathering, you cannot flourish alone. You can't. I don't care how, how independent you are. I don't care how strong you are. You, you cannot do this alone. You need other people who are walking this path with you. You need people in your life that are committed to helping you walk this path. You were designed for community. Whether you realize that or not, we're going to wade into that. We'll talk about it. You were designed for community. You were not designed to be alone. You, you will fail at this if you try to do it alone. Now, the fifth bucket, it's not a pathway. Um, it's kind of more like, in case of emergency, break glass. This is kind of the fifth kind of bucket uh, that we're going to be talking about is by overcoming. We flourish by overcoming. Every single one of us in this room has obstacles in our life to flourishing, the flourishing that Jesus talks about. Okay? There are things in your life. Now, some of these things are broad, and they're true for all of us. But there are things specific for you that are not true of me. But I have things that are, that are, that are, that are obstacles for me that are not true of you. Maybe, maybe a few of you in the room share the same thing as me. Um, and so we're going to start broad. We'll talk about some of the bigger obstacles to flourishing. And then we're going to get a little bit more specific, a little bit more specific, until we're unpacking individual things where, man, maybe for you there's a, there's a wound from the past or some deep insecurity in your life that is specific to you. Or maybe there's a sin in your life that's just been on repeat for years and you can't see to shake. It's going to get really uncomfortable here at Flourishing Grace, okay? But we're, we're like months from that. So don't worry. It's not today. Relax, okay? We're going, we're going to get there. But um, so this is, this is the path of flourishing. And the goal for our year is that, man, we would move towards flourishing, a flourishing relationship with Jesus. Last week, I asked the question, um, man, where is your relationship with Jesus right now? Not everybody, not everybody responded, but 71 of you, or 72, I can't remember, 71, 72 uh, responded. Um, and here's, here's what we said. So three people, sorry, two people said, you know what, I don't, I don't actually have a relationship with Jesus. That's not, that's not me. I'm not quite sure if I really believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Um, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, Josh which is fine, and we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're kind of sticking your toes into this and saying, man, is there really something here? Who is Jesus, and what did he say he was? Um, 17 out of 70-some said, you know what? My relationship with Jesus is, is struggling. Like right now, it is, it is in a rough place. It's basically non-existent, but I do, I do believe that he was who he said he was. The bulk of us, um, I think it was 49 people, said, you know what, I, my relationship with Jesus is okay. It's okay. Like, I'm, I'm growing. I feel like I'm growing, um, but it's pretty slow. It's, it's, it's dry. It's fragile. But um, there, is, there is some growth there. That's the bulk of people in the room. But then the last category is, I mean, how many of you have a flourishing relationship with Jesus? You said, man, I am experiencing the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit of Christ in my life. My relationship with Jesus is flourishing. Out of the 72 people who responded, three said, oh yeah, baby, flourishing. 
And so the goal of all of this, friends, the hope, the dream, is that months from now, maybe even three months from now, four months from now, 12 months from now, 24 months from now, man, we would see the people in this room, the people who are sitting here, my friends, my family here at Flourishing Grace, that we'd be able to say, man, I have a flourishing relationship with Jesus. Like, my life is completely different than it was on September, whatever today is, the 15th, something like that, um, September 15, 2019. My, my life is transformed from the inside out by the power of Christ. And so we're going to walk this path together. We're going to do it through our small groups. We're going to do it here on Sunday morning, um, and we're just going to wade deep into this. And so this morning, we're going to wade deep into, we flourish by beholding. We flourish by beholding, right? Um, there is a popular um, saying right now that you, you, um, you become what you behold. You become what you behold. If we, if we want to become like Jesus, right, all of these other things, you want to emulate Jesus, you want to become like Jesus, then we must first behold Jesus. We must look to him and fix our gaze upon him. I don't know who originally said that. I try to, I try to unpack it this week and try to figure out who originally said that. The closest I could find was a guy by the name of Father John Colkin. Father John Colkin was a, was a Catholic priest who kind of became a professor and kind of studied American culture. And he said it this way. He said, we become what we behold, we shape our tools, and thereafter our tools shape us. We become what we behold. We shape our tools, and then thereafter our tools shape us. And so the path of flourishing is really these tools that we're, we're shaping and we're molding. We're saying, man, we, we want to we live our lives and reorder our lives around this way of Jesus. We want to become like him. We want to behold him. We want to emulate him. We're shaping these tools and resourcing uh, our church, our family, to become more like him. And hoping that as we shape these tools... Our tools will then shape us, that we might become more like Jesus. And so the first tool that we're going to be unpacking, the first pathway, is by beholding. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. John 15, John 15, verse 1. Jesus turns to his disciples and says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that, you, my, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. All right. So right out of the gate, Jesus says something. And we talked about this a little bit last week. But right out of the gate, he says, I am the true what? Vine, there we go. All right, just making sure you guys are awake. I am the true vine. Right, last week we talked about this idea that throughout the Gospel of John, John highlights this, this theme, this major running theme throughout the life of Jesus, that Jesus has life on offer. That Jesus has made, come to me, I have life for you. Right, the woman at the well, Jesus has made, if you would have known who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. Living water, Right out of the gate in John chapter 1, verse 4, John says uh, that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Right? In him is this source of true human flourishing. That, that source, that life, is the light of men. It brings joy and hope to mankind. Like it's in him. Right? Jesus says in John 10, 10, kind of where we camped out last week. Right? Um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The source of just deep human flourishing is in him. And here he, he turns to his disciples, he goes, I am the true vine, which means there's all kinds of false vines. There's all kinds of things that we think are going to bring flourishing to our lives, all kinds of things. If I could just tap into this, if I could just tap into this, then I would have flourishing, then I would have joy, then I'd have delight, then there would be satisfaction and fullness. We've all chased after these vines. We've all tried to go kind of living these, these lives, uh, going from one vine to the next, to the next, to the next, believing, believing that it's going to fulfill, right? If I could just have this career, if I could just land this job, then there would be peace in my life, flourishing, goodness, abundance. If I could just get married to this person, Mrs. Wright, that would be amazing. That would be flourishing. If I could just land, uh, the, the, if I could just, if I, my, my kids, my two-year-old would just listen to me, there might actually be flourishing there. It's never going to happen. Um, We've all chased after these vines, believing. I was just talking to, my, to a buddy the other day, the, the, the kind of the lie of retirement. Man, if I, soon, soon as I can get to this place, then it's all going to be good, and we can just travel and have fun. Like, that's real flourishing, right? And we put it off to the end, and then the end comes, and it's actually the end, right? There's, there's all kinds of health things going on, all kinds of problems, and, and we just realize, oh, it was never actually true. Jesus said, man, no, 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 no. I'm the true vine, like, I'm the true vine. And really what he's doing is he's taking his disciples and he's, and he's throwing them back to kind of some Old Testament uh, literature, right? They would have known the word. They would have known exactly what he's talking about. You see, the prophets of old spoke of this idea of God having a vineyard, his people being a vineyard. Uh, Isaiah spoke about it. Jeremiah spoke about it. Uh, I'll show you real quick. So Isaiah... 5, verses 1 through 4, reads this way. It'll be up here on the screen for you. Uh, Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 4, uh, Isaiah says this. Let me sing from my beloved my song concerning his vineyard. This is the vineyard of God. 
My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judea, of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. Judge between me and my vineyard. Who, who jacked this up? Look what I did. I planted this beautiful vineyard. I did everything right. I found the most choice, the most fertile ground, the best plants. I put a big watchtower right in the middle of it. I did everything perfect. You judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I, that I have not done for it? When I look for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Jeremiah says the same thing. Jeremiah 2, verse 21 through 22, he says this. He says, yet I planted, this is God speaking, yet I planted you a choice vine, holy, a pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Though you wash yourself with a lie and use much soap, you, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. Here's what Isaiah and Jeremiah are saying. Here's what God is saying to the nation of Israel. Listen, I found the most fertile soil. I led you out of slavery. I brought you into the promised land. I gave you this land flowing with milk and honey, abundance, just every need you had. I took care of it. I defeated every army, every stronghold. I did everything. Uh, I helped you build this massive city right in the center of it. I placed the temple where I would dwell with you, this, this beautiful watchtower where I could watch over you and care for you and you chased, chased after, after all these other things all these other false gods all of these other false hopes all of these other things that you thought were going to bring you flourishing like I, I did everything I could have possibly done for you and you rejected me you went after other things that you thought were going to fulfill and they never did and you keep crawling back to me again and again and again and again. It's like, what more can I possibly do? What more could I possibly do? And so Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, no, no, no. I'm the true vine. Not the nation of Israel. Not, not your forefathers. I am. There, there's no real flourishing in any of those things. You will never find it. Humans Humans, apart from their Savior, apart from their God, can not flourish. It does not exist for us. The source of all human flourishing, the whole, all human flourishing is Christ. And he's declaring it right here. The second thing I want you to see is that the vine makes clean. The vine makes clean, right? Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. We'll come back to that in a second. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. He says to his disciples, he says, listen, when you come to the true vine, when you come to me, and, and when, you, when, you, when you attach your life to my life, when you behold me, when you fix your gaze on me, and you put your hope in me, already you are clean. 
In an instant, in a moment, your soul is washed by the blood of the Lamb. White as wool, pure as snow. All guilt, the stain of guilt, the stain of shame, the stain of your sin and your wretchedness before God is washed. Right? Throwing it back to that passage in Jeremiah where, you, where Jeremiah says, Though you wash yourself with a lie and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. When we attach ourselves to the true vine, the blood of Christ on the cross has cleansed us before God. Our soul is washed. There is no more guilt. There is no more shame. There is no more stain. Now, what's interesting is that same language, right? That same exact word in the Greek where Jesus says, already you are clean. That word right there, clean, is the same word that's translated in the previous verse, prunes. The Father prunes that as we bear fruit, as the vines bear, or as, as the branches that bear fruit, right, the Father prunes these vines. He cleans them. What Jesus is describing to his disciples is this idea of justification and sanctification, right? These, these big theological terms, right? Instantly in a moment you are clean. Instantly in a moment you are justified before the God of all things. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. There is nothing more you could do before God to get yourself clean. Jesus must clean you. But as we live in the vine, as we abide, as we behold Jesus, the Father begins to clean the areas of our lives that are stained by our sin. He begins to perfect in us our joy. He begins to perfect in us our peace. He begins to perfect in us our love. And suddenly, this is where we're going with all of this. And, and, right, as we I was talking about that, we flourish by becoming. And it's the work of the Father. For those who abide in the vine, for those who behold Jesus, the Father is cleaning and, and producing so that we might produce more and more and more and more of this wonderful fruit. He is doing a work in us that we cannot do on our own. So let me ask you a question. Just kind of in, in a moment, as, as your pastor, have you attached yourself to the vine? Like, have you actually given your life to Jesus? Is, is there a beginning for you? You see, my fear, my fear in this is that we're going to talk about this path of flourishing, and, and so many of us in the room, man, we've come, and we've come in to be a part of this family that we call Flourishing Grace. And you say, man, I, yes, I want, to, I want to walk this path of flourishing. I want to do it together. But you've never actually, like, started. Like, there's never a moment in your life where you've actually said, man, I need to be made clean by the blood of Jesus. Like, ha have you done that? Like, have you come before him? The kind of the beginning of our, our journey is this moment, our, the baptism is, marks the beginning of our journey, right? We, we come and, and we symbolize before the entire church. We say, man, I'm in the vine. I give my life to him, and he has cleansed me completely and totally, right? And I don't mean baptism as when you, were, when you were a little kid and you didn't really know what you were doing, or baptism as a part of a different religion other than, than truly following Jesus, saying he is my everything, and I want to behold him. I want to fix my gaze on him from now until the day I die. I never want to remove my gaze from the one who has given everything to me. Have you actually begun that? 
Is there a moment in your life where, you, where you've stepped into the water and said, yeah, I'm in. I begin. I begin this path today. Listen, side note, next Sunday, after our uh, 11 o'clock gathering, we're going to have a baptism class. For some of you in the room, I, I know your story, and I know, I know that you're, you're coming, and you're, you want to be a part of this family, and you want to be in, you want to experience the flourishing that Jesus has on offer. But you don't, you've never started. You've never actually begun. I want to challenge you right now to sign up for that. You, you need to learn more about baptism. You need to learn more about this beginning. Spurgeon, the, the great prince of preachers, put it this way. Charles Spurgeon said, the first thing about a Christian is initiation. Initiation into Christ. The next thing is imitation. The imitation of Christ. We cannot be Christians unless we are in Christ. And we are not truly in Christ un unless in him we live and move and have our being. And the life of Christ is lived over again by us according to our measure. He here's what he's saying. Clearly Spurgeon was never in a fraternity because he wouldn't use that language. Uh, initiation. Um, I was in a fraternity in college. I've got some stories for you. I'll save them for another day. Initiation. Um, listen, there, there's a beginning is what he's saying. There, there's a moment. There's a moment in the beginning where, where we step in. We say, man, I, I want to imitate, but in order to imitate, you must begin. In the life of a Christian, at the end of our days, we say, man, I live the life of Christ all over again. In my own way, in, in my own measure, he says, I lived the life of Christ all over again. I imitated Christ. But in order to be an imitator, you must begin. There must be a beginning. And I want to challenge you to begin, to start the path of flourishing. Right, for some of you, right, you, we, got, we got to dust it off and we got, to, we got to get back into this. But for many of us in this room, we've never actually started we need to begin next week. Make sure you sign up for that. Next. As we remain, we flourish. Look at verses 4 and 5. Jesus says it this way, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, we simply abide. The ultimate goal of every true Christian is to, to be continually attached to Jesus all day, every day. The, the, the ultimate goal, the true, genuine, real goal of every Christian Right? Every follower of Jesus, every imitator of Christ, is to be attached to Jesus all day, every single day. To behold him, to fix our gaze on him from the moment our eyes open to the moment they close at night, to be attached to the vine. Right? This language of abiding is weird, which is why we've used the language beholding. Right? No, no one walks around saying abide unless it's like the big Lebowski. Okay, that's, that's it. Nobody else... Says that, right? You're not, you're not like, dude, I just, I'm just abiding in my work at the office. N nobody uses that language, right? It's, it's a kind of a gardening 
term, right? This, this fruit abiding in the vine. Flourishing is actually a gardening term, right? It's, it's popular now. We talk about human flourishing. We, we want to flourish as human beings, as people, but really it's a gardening term, right? Plants flourish or not flourish. And Jesus is speaking in this kind of gardening analogy. We, we must be attached. In order for there to be flourishing, we must be attached to the vine. If you take a flower and you pluck it from the vine, and I set it here on this table, right? It will cease to flourish. Within a few hours, it'll begin to dry out. Within a day, it will wilt and begin to shrivel. Within two days, it will be completely unrecognizable. It will not be the same thing that it was. For so many of us in this room, I believe that this is where we are. Right? We've, we've bought into this idea that flourishing means, man, I read my Bible, I go to church, and I try to be a good person. None of those things, none of those things actually lead to flourishing. And listen, I'm not saying they're not important. Those are important things. We just talked about our, our Bible reading plans and how important it is to be in the Word. Right? That's fertilizer for the soil. But in order to actually experience flourishing, we need the true vine. The goal of the life of every Christian is to be attached to the person of Jesus. Apart from him, you can do nothing. You pluck the flower, you take the, the, the piece of uh, the vegetable off of the vine, and you leave it sitting for long enough. It's going to shrivel away. It's going to die. And for so many of us in this room, as we ask the question, and where are you right now spiritually, the reality is that we've, we've, we've detached ourselves from the vine. And so many of us are tired and we're weary because we're trying to do it on our own. We're saying, no, no, I've got to flourish. I've got to flourish. I've got to flourish. I've got to flourish. I, I've got to figure this out. I need to be more joyful. I need to be more delightful. But when you look at a flower, it's not trying to be a flower. It's not struggling. It's just simply doing what it does. Whatever the vine is pushing into it, it's, it grows. It's not trying to be beautiful. It just is. The goal of every follower of Jesus is to attach ourselves to the person of Jesus, to behold him, to behold the source of true joy, to behold the source of true delight, to behold the source of true peace, to behold the source of true contentment, to behold the source of true satisfaction all day, every single day. Um, the writer William Polsell said it this way. He said, It is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization of our lives. Here's what he's saying. You need a Bible reading plan. You need to be plugged into a community. You need to practice some disciplines in your life. You, you need some organization around this, but, he says, but there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence and the routine of daily living. There's nothing that's going to bring up more flourishing. In fact, I would even take it a step farther. I think Jesus takes it a step farther in John 15. You cannot experience the flourishing that Jesus has on offer, the life that Jesus has on offer, without the presence of God in your life, without attaching yourself to him. It, it does not work. And so you can, you can work and work and work and work in order. All these things that you do need to do, Bible reading plans, 
small group, church, all these things that are good and right. But without the source, without the vine, the true vine, there is no real flourishing. Verse 6. Verse 6 is the one that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, It reads this way. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, we need that Bible reading plan. We've got to be in the word. My words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Um, as a pastor, we, uh, when, we're, when we're preparing for sermons, we read what's called commentaries. Uh, commentaries, for those of you who are maybe new to church, commentaries are uh, great theologians um, that have, have kind of expounded upon Scripture. And so they, they read through the Scriptures and then they write kind of their brilliant thoughts. And there's great commentaries, there's terrible commentaries, but most of them are, are pretty good at the very least. Um, and all of them, right, you come to passages like verse 6, like they want to write books on verses 1 through 5. They're like, let me tell you everything there is to know about 1 through 5. And you come to verse 6 and they're like, nah, one sentence. Um, there's, nobody wants to talk about Verse 6, right? This idea of, man, when we don't, when we don't attach ourselves to Christ, we, we wither and we're gathered up by the Father and, and burned. And like, nobody, nobody wants to talk about that. But I actually think the way that Jesus says it is so nonchalant. It's kind of like, well, yeah, of course. Of course that's what happens. And it's sandwiched in, in this passage, kind of 6 through 8, where it really does make sense. You see, the true follower of Jesus beholds Jesus and submits the fullness of her life to him, is attached to him, clings to him. He is the true vine. And everything else, everything else is fake. Everything else is a facade. And so we can pretend all day to be followers of Jesus, but if we're not in Jesus, then we're not actually followers of Jesus. You can, you, you can go through all of the motions and you can say all the right things. You can even do some of the right things. People, you, you know people in your life like this and maybe even right now you're, you're asking, man, is that me? Is that me? If you for sure know people like this who have mastered the language. They've mastered the motions, but they're actually not attached to the vine. They're not actually in Christ. The consequences, the consequences that Jesus lays out kind of nonchalantly to this are massive. We are to be a people who behold Jesus and to to give everything in our lives to be those who are attached to him. And this is how, this is how the world will know that we are his disciples, that we are his followers, that as we are attached to the vine, he is producing this fruit in our lives, and the world looks in and sees followers of Jesus, genuine followers of Jesus, attached to the genuine vine. Now, how do we do this? How, how, do, how do we attach our lives to the vine? Well, friends, that's next week. Um, and I, I, don't, I actually don't mean that as kind of like a tease, as to be like, oh, you better come back next week. Um, here, here's what we're going to do with this path of flourishing. Um, I want to spend the entire morning just 
practically speaking, how, how do we do this? I think it's that important, right? I don't, want, I don't want the practical side of this to be kind of attached to kind of five minutes at the end or 10 minutes in the sermon. I want to spend our entire morning next week just talking about, okay, how do we realistically, how do we live a life beholding Jesus from the moment our eyes wake to the moment our eyes close at night? How are we beholding Jesus? How are we attached to the vine 24 hours a day, experiencing this life of flourishing that he doesn't offer? I want to spend our entire time on that. I don't want to just like tag it on the end. And so kind of in each one of these paths of flourishing, we're going to kind of talk broadly about it. We're going to go deep biblically on it. And then we're going to go super practical on it. Okay, and so we're going to kind of spend three weeks on each one of them. And so next week, we're going to get really super practical on what it means to abide and what it means to behold Jesus. And so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm just going to pray for us. Um, and we're just, going to, we're just going to kind of close this morning. We're just going to kind of shut it down. We're going to go meet some small group leaders, get plugged into small group, because I believe small groups are going to be crucial to the path of flourishing. Um, so let me do this. Let's bow our heads. And with your heads bowed, here's what I would like for us to do just real quick this morning. Fix your gaze on Jesus. For some of you, that might be a weird statement. But the reality is, the truth is, he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. He is a near and present help. He is here right now. Our Savior, our King, our Lord. It's right here. He is as near to you as anything in your life. Abide in his love. Draw near to the source of human flourishing. Jesus, I pray. I pray for the men and women in this room. I pray that you'd help us to understand, to see clearly what it means to behold the source of all human flourishing. As we walk this path of flourishing together, that we would experience you in, in deep and profound ways, that our lives would be transformed, and that as a family we would celebrate together with just joy and gladness that all flows from the true vine, you. You are the source of real gladness. You are the source of real joy. I pray that you would remind us right now in this moment that you have not designed us to do this alone. Help us to find a community who can sit around a table and wrestle through this. Man, how, how, how are we beholden? Man, I'm struggling to emulate Jesus in this way in my life. And let's, let's get practical. Let's get real. Let's talk. I pray that you'd bless our small groups in this season of flourishing grace. I pray that you would draw near to each person in this room and help them to behold you this week. I pray these things in your sweet name. In the name of Jesus, amen.